last week we mentioned that, that you're not alone. Right? We, we said that last week, and it was very important, that when it comes to your mental and when it comes to your emotional health, and when it comes to battling with things like depression and anxiety and worry, you are not alone. You're not by yourself. Now, there may be different varying degrees of how much any person struggles with any of these issues, but you're not alone. And we said last week that it's okay to not be okay, especially here at the church. Uh, we want to lead with an attitude of humility and vulnerability and be a place where we can be open and honest about these struggles. Uh, if there's any place that you should feel okay to not be okay, it should be the church. Now, today's message is all about perspective. Perspective is what we're talking about today. Is I want to help us get the right perspective and pay close attention to what we're truly living for. In today's passage, uh, Stephen just finished reading it, in John chapter 16, Jesus is helping align his disciples' perspective. It's what he's doing. If you read 15 and 16, he's helping align their perspective. Because you see, just like us, just like me, and just like you, the disciples oftentimes had their attention focused on other things that really didn't matter. And we're the same way. We're really no different. Jesus is really using his time to invest in the disciples to get them to focus on the things that are truly important. You guys know this. There are so many things that are competing for your attention every day. There's things that are competing for your devotion. There's things that are competing for your heart. And we live in a world that is so consumed with itself and everything within this world is trying to get you to do the same. The temptation is also to follow that same vein and so to pursue those worthless things as well. So leading up to today's passage, Jesus is teaching his disciples things like love one another. That's what really matters. Love for one another. And he tells them this. Maybe you've heard this. He said, love one another as I have loved you. He's telling them the importance of love for one another. And he's not only saying it, he's demonstrating it. He's modeling it. He's living it out. He warns them against the persecution and the hatred that this world would bring because of this message of love. And he says this, maybe you heard this too, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And he's showing them to have a healthy perspective on the fact that they will not be liked. That the people in this world would not like them or their message. That their message would not be well received. In fact, that there would be a lot of persecution ahead. Do you guys see? He's aligning their perspective. Jesus teaches the disciples about the Holy Spirit. He teaches them about the Holy Spirit and the power that the Holy Spirit will bring. In fact, he says this. He says that it is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come. To which the disciples, I'm sure, they were like, no way, Jesus, are you crazy? It's way better having you here and now with us. But Jesus was showing them the role and the power with which the Holy Spirit, the God with them and God in them through the Holy Spirit, the role that that would take. It's all about perspective. Jesus was helping them see that beyond the here and now, there's so much more, it's so much more important. And I think that we need these reminders as well. I think every single one here, I think everybody here, we all need these reminders because we forget. We need these reminders. I think it's just way too easy, this side of heaven, to get caught up on everything in the world, everything that's around us, all the temptations that are around us. And of course, it's easy to see why. What you have now, what you see, what you taste, what you feel, what you experience is what you see and get. And so it's so easy to put all our attention on those things. But here's the problem with that. Whether things are going great or not, either way, with the wrong perspective, 
Those things will always pull you away from ultimately what is truly important and what truly matters. Think about it. If things are going great, if you got money in the bank, the bills are getting paid, you get promoted at work, got straight A's in school, the relationships are thriving, right? There's more food than famine. And the temptation is to say to yourself, man, things are going great right now. Why do I need God? I don't need God. Everything's good right now. Everything's gravy. Why do I need God for? If things are not too hot, if your rent gets, if your rent check bounces, if you get laid off at work, you flunk your finals, you get dumped by the love of your life, right? And there's more tears than laughters, then the temptation is to say, I'm too stressed. I'm too worried. I'm too anxious. I'm too sorrowful. This is a horrible time. Suffering too much to pursue God right now. In fact, God, you're not fair. I don't know why you're allowing all this to happen to me. Why are you allowing to experience this to me? You see, no matter what, either way you look at it, it's so easy to reject God, whether things are great or not. By the way, this is a side note, has nothing to do with today's message. Isn't it funny that God never gets the glory for the seasons of increase, but somehow he's always to blame. He's the one to blame for the seasons of sorrow. Did you guys ever realize that? Has nothing to do with the sermon, but maybe that was for somebody. But you see, without the right perspective, we will always stray away from gospel truths. If you don't have the right perspective, they're always going to be pulled away from you. The truth, the, what really matters. And that is especially true when we consider the heaviness of the topic that we're discussing in this series. When it comes to our mental and our emotional health, I want us to get a good perspective. Or better yet, a gospel perspective. And I think that this will help us see, uh, help us in those, especially in those moments, in those seasons of darkness. So for the remainder of our time, we want to look at something that Jesus taught the disciples when it comes to having this healthy perspective especially when it comes to dealing with these emotions. You see, ultimately, Jesus will help us see that instead of having such an earthly perspective, we ought to have a heavenly one. Let me caveat, before we go into number one in your notes, let me just caveat, I'm going to say this every week, that I, I do not know and I do not proclaim to have all the answers. I'm not a doctor, I don't play one on TV, and I don't pretend to be one. And this is a very serious issue, which is why I think, what better place to address it than here in the church? We want to be open and honest and have a dollar. We want to open up God's word and we want to see if there's any hope from the scriptures. And also we want to connect it all to the gospel and what hope does Jesus give. I just want to give that caveat in case you think you came in here with like a whole bunch of problems and you think you're going to leave fine today. That's not the, that's not, and this is way bigger than a four week series. I just want you guys to understand that. Uh, but we do want to open up the discussion and want to have it openly and honestly. Here's the first thing. You guys ready? Here's the first thing, number one in your notes. Uh, if you have uh, your notes, you can take that out and you can write it in. By the way, guys, if, uh, if you don't like paper and pen, you can also follow along online or the Bible app. All the notes are there for you guys to follow along with. Number one, here's the first thing that we see from what Jesus is teaching his disciples. Is Number one is this, you will face struggle this side of heaven. You will face struggle this side of heaven. And he said it uh, this way in uh, John 16, 33, the very first part of that verse, says that you will have suffering in this world. He doesn't say you might, say maybe. He says you will. You see, we will face suffering in this world. And it's really not a question of if, but when. If you're human, if you're in the world, if you have a pulse, and if you're in this room, you will face suffering. And that includes dealing with very real emotional and mental issues that we've been talking about in this series. Now, I don't think I have to do very much convincing to you guys on this one, right? I don't have to convince you guys that you will face struggling. 
Because the truth of the matter is that you're probably going through a difficult season now, or you have, you just came out of one, or you're about to go into one. Then you see, you turn on the news, you see all the pain and the suffering in this world. It just takes one scroll through your Facebook feed to see all the issues that are going on in this world and all the difficulties that we face. But beyond that, it probably doesn't take you very long just to look back on this week and probably figure out that this week you probably have moments of stress or anxiety or, or, or you felt a, a, a battle with, with depression this week because of something that you were going on. And you're like, yep, Danny, there's suffering in this, suffering in this world, and I'm sure of it because there's suffering in my world right now. But what you probably need help with understanding is why. That's probably what you need help with. Why do we see all this? You don't need convincing that there is suffering. You're asking the question of why. Why do we face suffering? Why do we battle with depression? Why do we battle with anxiety? Why do we face hardship and strife? Why is this a fact that we will face suffering? If God is such a loving God, how could he permit me to struggle with this? You know, my wife, Melissa, she mentioned to me about a conversation that she had this week uh, with a young mom. And Melissa leads a Bible study for people that are exploring their faith or they're not quite believers just yet. And this week, a young mom attended the Bible study. And she said that she believes in God and she believes there's someone out there, there's a creator. But she said that she finds difficulty living a life fully devoted to him. And she continued to share that she had a seven-year-old son who tragically lost his life in a car accident. And she said, why would God allow that to happen to me? How do you answer that question? Someone who lost someone that way. A seven-year-old. That's a sincere question. And that obviously comes from a place of deep hurt. Maybe you have your own questions just like that. From a hurting, from a hurting place. And this is a very complex question that has very many layers to it. But, but here's where we want to start. I want to start with this. You have to understand this, is that God is a loving God. And he's not in heaven wishing you or a seven-year-old boy to get hurt. He's not on his throne thinking up of new ways to make you suffer. That's not God. The Bible is very clear that God is love. That is his nature. That is who he is. That is his very nature. And one thing that we can be certain of is that the root of your heartache or your difficulty or your pain doesn't come from God. And so if it's not from God, then where does it come from? And one thing that you need to realize is that uh, we live in a sin-ridden world. We're surrounded by sin everywhere around us. Sin is in us and around us. And so much of our suffering is ultimately rooted in sin. This is what the Apostle Paul would later address in his letter to, Ro in his letter to Romans. He was echoing the words of Jesus that this side of heaven, there'll be suffering. He described it as the whole of creation groaning. In fact, look up Romans chapter 8, 22 to 23. It says this. You should have it there in your notes. He says this. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. So imagine that the whole world is feeling this pain and this anguish and this hardship. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves. We're also hurting. We're also facing anxiety and stress and hardship and difficulty. We also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Do you sense like what Paul is saying? He's like, I can't wait to get out of this flesh. I can't wait to get out of here because there's just so much anguish. 
There's so much heartache. And when it comes to suffering, and that includes battling with anxiety and depression and fear and worry, it's not a matter of if, but when. And what this also means is that just like I mentioned last Sunday, you're not alone. You may feel, you may make yourself believe that you are alone. Our spiritual enemy may try to convince you that you are, but the truth is that you're not alone. You're surrounded by people right now who, like you, have, are, and will suffer. We all deal with seasons of sadness, of grief, and fear, and you're not alone. Now, you're at this point of the message, and you're like, Danny, thanks for the pep talk. I feel really encouraged now. But when are we going to get to a little bit of hope and encouragement? Walk with me. Here's number two in your notes, okay? I'm getting there. Here's number two. Here's what Jesus continues to say back in John chapter 16, verse 33. But in Christ, we can have courage. In Christ, we can have courage. And he says it this way. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the first thing that popped into my mind when I read this verse was the lion from the Wizard of Oz, you know? He's like, I just need a little courage, you know? Give me a little courage. That's the first thing that popped into my mind. The second thing that maybe pops into your mind is what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with my stress and my anxiety and my depression? What does that have to do to be courageous? Well, as some of you guys may know, you know, much of the New Testament was written in Greek, and there are occasions where a word... And the original language just packs a lot more meaning than its English translation can really hold. And I, and I think that this is kind of an instance where we can learn a little bit more uh, from the Greek. So I'm going to help you guys learn a little bit of Greek. Because if you don't learn Greek in church, like what are you doing in church, right? So here's the Greek word that's translated via the courageous, right? The courage is the word tharseo. You have it there in your notes. Tharseo. And here's what it means. It means to be of good cheer. Emboldened to show courage, to be unafraid. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, you will face suffering, be courageous. Be of good cheer. Now perhaps you ask yourself, how can I be of good cheer when I feel like my heart is about to pop out of my chest and I'm experiencing more stress than I, more stress than I ever have before? Well, I think James helps us see something when it comes to this. Yeah, we don't really have a lot of time to really unpack it, but for homework this week, I want you to look up James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. You can write it down in your notes, write it down, and you can read it when you get home. But basically, James says this. He says to consider it pure joy when you face moments of hardship and difficulty. When you're facing, when you're battling whatever anguish or struggle you are right now, James says you should consider it pure joy. And he goes on to explain why. We can consider it pure joy. And that is because ultimately God is working in and through us. He is doing a purifying and sanctifying work in us to ultimately bring about His purposes for His glory and for our good. So why can you consider it pure joy when you're going through hardship? Because God is doing a work in you. Consider this. What is God teaching you right now through your anxiety? What is He showing you in the midst of your depression? Maybe He's teaching you to depend on Him, to trust Him. Maybe He's teaching you to draw closer to Him, to depend on Him, to draw close to Him so that He can draw close to you. Maybe He's showing you how He has strategically placed people around you that love and care for you through those difficult seasons. Maybe He's making you stronger and He's preparing you in such a way that you might be able to help others 
as they go through more of the same of what you're going through. What is God showing you? Be of good cheer. He's doing a good work in you. Tharseo also means to be emboldened. And what that's referring to is the emboldening of God's power to work in you. It's not depending on your own strength and your own ability to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. But instead, it's God's power to sustain you and to embolden you and to empower you. And unfortunately, so much of what we're taught, honestly, both in and out of church, is to pull ourselves up. It's not to depend on God, but to depend on ourselves. It's self-help sort of Christianity. Along with it, it's a cover-up. Because we cover up our weaknesses. We cover up our vulnerabilities in an attempt to appear stronger than we, when we are. But Paul says something quite the opposite in his letter to the Corinthians. He, he was asking God to take away this certain pain that he was experiencing, this certain hardship. But, but God's response to his prayer was this. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected. And weakness. Not your power, Paul. My power is perfected in weakness. Then Paul says, therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses. So that, see if you guys catch this, so that Christ's power may reside in me. Paul's not saying so that his own power, his own self-help, his own, his own uh, pull himself up by his bootstraps. No, it's so that Christ's power may reside in me. Paul depended on Christ's power to reside in him. Do you? Tharseo means be courageous, be emboldened, not by your might, not by your power, but by Christ's power in you. And the last thing is Tharseo also means to be unafraid. And one of the things that can really paralyze us and really be a source for anxiety and depression is, is, the, is fear. Fear can really be a source of that anxiety and that stress that we feel. It's the fear of the unknown. It's questions like, man, am I, how am I going to make rent next month? What am I going to do after I graduate? Am I ever going to find the right person to settle down with? And these are fears that we all face and can quite literally sometimes we allow that to paralyze us. But scripture tells us this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Now let me ask you a question. If fear doesn't come from God, then where does it come from? You know, our spiritual enemy loves to strike fear and put fear into our minds and into our hearts because he knows that he can paralyze you that way. But instead, tharseo, be encouraged. Instead of fear, rely on and be filled with what God gives you, which is power, love, sound judgment, Sound thoughts, self-control. Instead of thoughts filled with what-ifs, you can have clarity and peace and trust knowing that God is on your side and that He is for you. Tharseo. Here's number three. This is ultimately, I think this is our ultimate perspective maker. Uh, number three in your notes is that Jesus will make all things new. Amen. Jesus will make all things new. John 16.33 you will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. Start say, oh, I have conquered the world. Here's the number one thing that's going to change your perspective today. I really want, it to, I want, I want you guys to lean in and to grab a hold of this. This is the thing that I believe will be the greatest source of hope for us, especially when it comes to the struggles that we face sometimes daily. Let me try to paint for you what Jesus is saying here. If we're completely honest with ourselves, 
most of the time, uh, what receives all our focus, what receives all our attention, don't play yourself, right? Be honest. What gets all our attention, what we put our hope in is the here and now, the present, the world that we see. That's where we find hope. And if, we ha- if all we had was the here and now, if there was no promise for future eternity, if victory was not secured, then there would be no hope. You would just live your miserable life, you would suffer miserably, and die a miserable death. And the truth is that so many of us live our lives that way. You may not communicate it with your words, but you live it with your actions. Because we place so much of our attention, so much of our focus, and so much of the source of our stress and anxiety stem from the pursuit of all the worthlessness and the temporary pleasures of this world. But Jesus says, you will have suffering. You will battle depression. You will struggle with anxiety and sadness and hardship and difficulty and struggle and strife and grief and persecution. But be courageous. Fear not. Be emboldened by the Lord's power. Be of good cheer. Why? Because Jesus has conquered the world. And with that simple, bold statement, Jesus says that he is victorious. He is victorious over the world's darkness and meaninglessness. Which means that he is victorious over your anxiety. He's victorious over your depression. He's victorious over your strife and your anguish. How? How is he victorious? Because Jesus conquered the grave. Because Jesus died on the cross to pay the punishment for our sin. He humbly stood in our place but victoriously crushed the head of Satan as he rose from the grave. And because he is alive... We have the hope of knowing that the here and now isn't all that we have to live for. Jesus has conquered the world, which means that after this life, we have hope. And we have the promise that this is not all there is. Jesus is preparing a place for us where ultimately all things will be made new. In fact, if you flip your Bibles to the back, all the way at the end, Revelations chapter 21, the last book of the Bible. I want to show you guys the picture, the beautiful picture that is painted for us. In chapter 21, verse 3 to 5, it says this, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and He will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Look at verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. Death will be no more. No more grief. No more crying. And the pain will be no more because the previous things have been passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Jesus is making everything new. You see, this side of heaven, there will be struggle. But one day, for those who are in Christ, there will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. There will be no more death. There will be no more anguish. There will be no more grief. And all things will be made new. This means that the pain that we experience now is only temporary. Everything that we experience now will one day be no more. 
the anxiety that you experienced this morning, the stress that you felt this week, the depression you felt for the past five years will be no more. Instead, all things will be renewed and will be in the presence of our Savior. We will meet Jesus. What a beautiful picture of Jesus wiping away the tears from our eyes. And he's going to give you a warm embrace and you will be overwhelmed by his love. Does that put it in the right perspective for you? This gives us hope because one day all will be healed. This includes your battles, the battles that we face with our mental and emotional health. We'll be healed, mind, body, and soul in the presence of Jesus. But if you're here today and you do not have that assurance of that salvation, or you want to know how you too can experience that healing, how you too can have that hope, all you have to do, the Bible says, is put your faith in Jesus because he is mighty to save. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. You don't have to. Jesus conquered the grave so that in his life, you too can have newness of life. Jesus gave his life for you. The only reasonable response is to surrender your life to him. And if you're here today and you don't have that certainty, if you don't have that assurance, if you can't say that you share that hope, then I want to invite you to put your faith in him. Right there in your seat, right where you are, a conversation between you and God. Say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I'm done. I'm tired of living life to myself. I want to live for you. I want that hope that one day we'll no longer have to deal with any of this. And I'll be in the presence of you. Let's pray. Lord, we are all a room of broken people here. And so often we wrongly put our focus in the temporary pleasures of this world. It's so easy, God, to be indulged in the here and now, that we forget about the promise for a future where we will be with you and where all things will be made new. We await, the, we await for the day that you will wipe away our tears and where there will be no more pain. And when we'll be in your presence, completely healed and whole. But in the meantime, make us tharseo. Help us to be of good cheer as you do a good work in us. Help us be emboldened, not by our own power, but by your Spirit's power. And help us fear not, but to put all our confidence in you. And God, in this room right now, there are many that are struggling right now with fear and anxiety and worry. God, I just pray that we would have the right perspective and that you would help us raise our confidence levels up, Lord, to trust you and to realize, Lord, that there is hope because one day all things will be made new in Jesus. We pray. Amen.